There's never just two sides to a sports issue. Welcome to Three Sides Sports Talk. Welcome everyone to Three Sides Sports Talk. Todd and Jerry with you on schedule release day. 18 and 0 going to the Super Bowl? Is that how the schedule lined up for the Niners? Uh, I mean, not really. We already knew the opponents. We're just getting the days, times, network, primetime games. Uh, but there was some intrigue. Uh, so let's just go right into it. The Niners will start in Chicago. One of only two 10 o'clock games for the Niners this year, which in itself is going to be a bonus for a West Coast team. So, Jerry, your initial thoughts when you saw the schedule come out today? Yeah, not quite 18 and 0. I think it's going to be a, a it's a tough one. Um, and I certainly would have liked to have gotten DeAndre the DeAndre Hopkins less Cardinals at Levi's for the opener. You know, a little home cooking for Trey Lance to start the season against a familiar foe, but playing Arizona later in the season could have its benefits assuming they go into their usual late season tailspin and Getting the Chicago Bears game one is not bad at all. I mean, there's no more Khalil Mack, and I don't think they upgraded their offense to help Justin Fields. So assuming the Niners are healthy and are on their game, they should be able to open the season with a W. Uh, Also like that they're, you know, that we're getting Seattle at home uh, for game two with no Russell Wilson and no Bobby Wagner. So there should be no excuse Um, And then week three will be their first big test on the road at Denver against their former rival and nemesis, Russell Wilson. And after the Rams game in week five, they should be able to take care of Carolina and Atlanta. And I think the challenge now will be weeks seven through 14, where they face the Chiefs, Rams, Chargers, the Cardinals in Mexico City. And then the Saints, Dolphins, and Buccaneers. I think that's going to be their toughest stretch and will determine if they're contenders or pretenders. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's a contenders or pretenders. I think it'll be a, is Trey good enough to carry the team as the quarterback or not? But there, you can't really ask for a be- much better of a landing spot than what they're getting in Chicago. They're getting... Again, new coach, young team, young quarterback. So there's nothing, nothing should be intimidating uh, for the Niners going in. Um, a couple of things, like I mentioned, they're only get, they only have to play two 10 a.m. games. So two of those body clock games, one of them being that first game of the season, and you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be any more well rested than game one. So you're you're as healthy as you're gonna be, probably. Going into that game, the other 10 a.m. game is the Atlanta Falcons game in week six. And that's coming off uh, back-to-back or, or uh, another road game the week before in Carolina. That's their only back-to-back road trip. I would imagine Carolina Atlanta, both East Coast teams. So they're going to – Niners will probably pull one of those stay back east in Youngstown or the Greenbrier um, and just get acclimated, which will be just fine. You're right. Uh, getting not getting the Cardinals early to avoid DeAndre Hopkins is a bummer, uh, but they get them the very last game of the season, and we know how they do tailspin. Uh, bummer that they're kind of playing the the Rams twice before the calendar flips to November. I mean, that's that's kind of the big rivalry. So you're not going to have that late season push to try and uh, flip a game either way if you're if you're in the chase position. Uh, and the bye week coming at week nine, kind of, you know, unless there's some injuries and you wish you had it when, you know, someone needs to get healthy, right in the middle of the season isn't a bad place to have it. So all of that and with five primetime games, I think the schedule makers did the Niners a pretty good service. Like I said, only two, two games are back to back on the road. Otherwise it's home away, home away, home away. And after what is it week after week seven the Niners don't have to travel beyond the west coast their only travel is LA Seattle Vegas so quick plane trips for the second half of the season so I know in years past the Niners didn't seem like they got the benefit of the doubt in terms of some scheduling some short weeks some long travel but 
looking at this logistically wise, it lays out pretty well. For sure. And I know you always say that this year's team needs to keep pace with last year's team in terms of making the playoffs in order to be for it to be a successful season. But I'm just saying that last year's team didn't have to endure all the baggage and issues that have reared their ugly heads for this year's team, right? The O-line last year was healthy. Debo came into camp in the best shape of his career and was ready to dominate. And even though they had the 19th toughest schedule in 2021, they still barely squeaked into the playoffs. Whereas this year, the Niners supposedly have the fifth toughest schedule in the league. And at this very moment, there's just still so many unknowns that when I look at the whole schedule, that winning 10 games, I think will be a tremendous feat, right? Because like I mentioned, the O-line, huge question mark. You know, what's going to happen with Alex Mack? Is he going to retire? What if Mike McGlinchey is still compromised from last year's injury? What if Aaron Banks is the next Joshua Garnett, God forbid? Because if any of these issues actually come about, the Niners, doesn't matter how well the schedule stacks up for them, they could be in a lot of trouble, you know, not to mention the Debo situation, um, you know, whether or not that gets resolved. Um, you know, and as you mentioned, this, this season's a lot of it's going to be dependent on Trey Lance and how he performs. And it's essentially Trey Lance's rookie year. So, you know, inevitably he's going to have his ups and downs and, you know, we still don't know what Shanahan has in store. Will he force Lance to fit into the same offense that he ran with Jimmy or will Shanny evolve by taking advantage of Trey's strengths? You know, in, in which case the offense is going to be different and everyone is going to have to kind of learn some new wrinkles. So I guess given all the uncertainties surrounding the team as a whole, um, I just think it's tough to have super high expectations at this moment. But like I said, my my win total for them right now that I'm looking at is 10. And 10, 10 would be, uh, yeah, 10. 10's a good season, but 10's what they have to get to to be in that playoff discussion. 10 is what they have to get to. I know I understand you're not you don't want to equate last year's team to this year's team and what last year's team did to what this team did because there are question marks. And I and I get it, you know. You know, who knows what McGlinchey and Mac decide? Are are they gonna be in uniform week one, ready to go? If not, you're talking about you know, three of the five, four of the five spots on the O-line being different. We'll, we'll see. Still no word uh, from, from Alex Mack on retirement or not. So uh, we will see that. But we knew, we knew who they were playing. We knew the teams. We knew the, the AFC West. We, we knew it was going to be a tough schedule in terms of teams. Now, again, what happens, we don't know. Is Mike McDaniel in Miami going to, you know, turn that team around come week 13 or then are the dolphins going to be kind of a AFC version of the Niners tough slam the ball in your face, kind of everything physical, whatnot. We will see, you know, Seattle, you know, I know our buddy Jeff likes to poo poo the Seattle Seahawks, but, and, and without Russell, <coughs> without Russell, huge difference, but, it has been a house of horrors against them for so many years now. So with that, with that, um, any anything else jump out to you about the schedule? Either yeah, logistics, timing, excited about primetime games, excited about. We'll put it this way. Are you excited about anything? Yeah, you know, I, the number of primetime games that teams get, I know certain fans get all jacked up about that. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, move me one way or another. You know how, what it's all about for me, and it's all about the Ws. So as far as I'm concerned, in terms of Seattle, I'm glad they're going back to like the Charlie Whitehurst, Matt Flynn days. So I certainly expect the Niners to sweep them. And I'm hoping that the Cardinals, even though we have to face them with DeAndre Hopkins, that 
whatever internal issues are brewing and having with Kyler Murray, hopefully they continue and that, you know, not having Chandler Jones anymore on defense really affects them um, that we can sweep both teams because I expect them to. Um, and I expect the Niners to split with the Rams. And I think they'll beat the bears, the Falcons, uh, the Panthers, the saints and commanders. And that's kind of what gets them to 10. Unfortunately, I wish we could, I could feel more confident about beating teams like the dolphins and the Raiders. But I think the fact that we get them later in the season, just as of right now, it makes me feel not as confident only, and not to say like the Niners aren't going to be better at that point. Obviously, hopefully they will be. But by that point, I also would assume that McDaniels, well, Mike McDaniel and Josh McDaniels will have both their programs installed and they'll be kind of hitting on all cylinders at that point. The uh, week 18 against the Cardinals, I mean, could be something. You never know. I mean, if that's a oh, game. I think that- it will be. I mean, if we're talking 10 wins. <laughs> Well, I was thinking could be something for both teams, kind of like last year, but yeah, 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 you know, the Cardinals, who knows, they could go into their tailspin and be, who knows, if they're out of it, they may just mail in week 18. So that'd be even better. Actually, I'd probably rather have Kyler there than Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy scares me a little bit more. <laughs> Words you never thought you would say. No. Uh, <laughs> Niners, Niners showed up for uh, OTAs today, so we're going to start seeing video of guys doing awesome calisthenics and, you know, incredible stretching drills and, and running around hula hoops and stuff like that. So uh, I'm getting ready to overreact to all of it, which I'm sure will be coming in the next day or so. For the first time in a long time, it's been quiet on the Debo Samuel front. It's been quiet on the Alex Mack front. Um, Not much is happening. So is that a good thing? Or is this just the quiet before a storm? Well, we did hear um, that Debo has chosen to apparently consult with, of all people, Terrell Owens regarding his contract situation, um, which is concerning. Uh, but what's most concerning, I guess, in my opinion, is that T.O. knows what happened and that he said that it's, quote, quote, unfortunate, which sort of confirms my assumption that this, yes, is about money, but mostly it's about respect and how the Niners most likely lowballed Debo so far below the belt that, and I know you like to say that, hey, this is all part of negotiations but maybe it was just so low and so offensive that it just wasn't even worth responding to. Kind of like if a team came to the Niners and offered a seventh round pick for Debo on draft night, Niners would just hang up. They wouldn't even bother like coming with a counter offer. Right? So it sort of made me think about what AJ Brown just went through and how the Titans supposedly offered him 16 mil a year. Now who knows if the Niners offered Debo, the same amount or maybe even less, but let's say that they did offer less because they wanted to pay him like a running back. And I could see Debo being like, what the hell man, right? Like he did everything for the Niners this past year. And it's like, it's like as if you were working for a company and you put your heart and soul into that job. You brought the company. It's, you know, their biggest clients. And then at the end of the year, your company offers you, a 1% raise. I'm pretty sure most people would be like two birds up and I'm out. (laughs) And based on how Debo's reaction to the Niners seemed to come out of left field, I can only assume that their offer or whatever their verbal proposal was just was so egregiously low, you know, which is why Again, it's not as much about the dollar amount as it is about how it uh, equates to respect and why we all keep hearing these days about how what the Niners need to do is to repair the relationship. Yeah, I hear you. 
just don't buy it. Just, I mean, I mean, there's just, I, there's just, I just, I just don't buy it. I just, I mean, I just, I mean, I buy the concept, but I don't buy the, you know, the acting out, if you will, of a child that I didn't get what I wanted. So I'm going to take my ball and go home. You know, it's like, I just don't understand the, the, we didn't even get a week into negotiating that. And that's my thing. It's like, I, I just don't understand because unless it was, we're going to give you five mil a year, how insulting could it have been? Well, like, you know, I remember earlier this off season, you know, we're during, I guess, the whole Debo thing when it first came about, I sent you and Jeff that video clip from Trent Williams press conference where, you know, right right when he resigned with the Niners and he sort of gave a summary of kind of how it all went down. Right. And I felt like it encapsulated the negotiation issue that we're now seeing with Debo to an extent. Right. Cause I didn't remember how close it came for Trent Williams to potentially sign with the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. Is. But, but Trent was like, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said that negotiations between his agent and Parag Marate had essentially stalled and yep. he was about to sign with the chiefs and he had to call Kyle Shanahan before finalizing anything with Casey, just to see if Kyle could do anything to get Parag to up the offer. Yep. And I'm guessing that's when Kyle stepped in mandated Parag to give Trent his money, but clearly Parag's the main guy handling these negotiations and he strictly adheres to whatever value that he believes each player is worth because they're so cap conscious. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing that, you know, Kyle wasn't going to be able to bridge the gap between what Parag initially offered, um, and what Debo maybe was expecting, because again, it came in so low that it's not even about money right now. It's just about repairing the relationship. So the good thing is, is that Debo in this day and age, refalling the Niners, my hope and my guess is that Lynch and Kyle have been able to connect with Debo and perhaps mend some of these fences so that at least they can engage in some meaningful negotiations moving forward. But I just feel like whatever Prague's doing, I'm sure in his mind, it's the right thing. It's worked, but this time it just blew up in his face. Yeah. But that's a great example of it's worked with everybody else. And this one blew up. Maybe it's, maybe it's Debo's issue that, you know, because again, the Trent Trent Williams thing's a a great example because, again, he stayed on the sidelines. He fielded his offers, talked with his agent, and just said, "All right, hey, I'm going to give the nine. Basically, I'm going to give the Niners one last shot. So let me call him. I mean, yeah, I don't think it was that simple. I almost, I mean, based based on that interview or the press conference that I we all saw, he actually seemed very. I don't want to say hurt, but he was very frustrated by the Parag, by Parag's unwillingness to budge and whatever it is that offer was, because clearly Trent wanted to stay. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so I, I could see why whatever Parag did could perhaps have ruffled Debo's feathers. But I will say this we will learn a lot by what happens with Nick Bosa. If Nick Bosa's negotiations go without a hitch, then yes, perhaps this was all blown out of proportion by Debo and his camp. But if something goes awry with Nick Bosa, I think then I don't think it's a Debo thing or a Nick Bosa thing. It could be a Parag thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I will. I will say it. I mean, Bosa's the next next in line for a big contract. If 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 we don't hear anything, and all of a sudden the Niners announced some extension or something. Yeah. Then, then it is, you know, then, then you do have to go back and look at how come everyone else is going smooth in terms of, and who knows smooth is probably the wrong word. I'm sure there's a lot of emotion 
behind the scenes with the agent and talk, trying to talk to the client, whether it's Bosa or Debo or Trent Williams and saying, hey, here's what they're offering. Here's what Kansas City's offering. Here's what their guaranteed money is. Hey, Nick, they're not going to pay you more than your brother or, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of emotions behind the scenes because these guys do, well, one, their careers are just inherently super short because of the nature of football. So they have to maximize everything they can get. So which is why I have no problem when they, you know, do try and maximize what they can get. On the flip side, there's a difference between maximizing what you can get and becoming a problem in terms of what it is. And, and again, there needs to be something. And hopefully Bosa has his brother to lean on, his dad to lean on, been through the business. They've been through contract negotiations, contract extension, major contract extensions for Joey. So it is. It, that's, a, that's a great point that the Nick Bosa extension will be a, you know, I don't know if it'll be super telling or, but it will be an interesting to see if anything comes up like, oh yeah, Nick's now holding in or Nick's not talking to the Niners or, or, or whatnot. Because again, I just keep going back to, it was, it was April Debo when, when you, when you got your offer, you felt disrespected and you're like, I want out. It's like, Boy, you know, you, you didn't even let, you know, you didn't even let the second shoe drop in terms of uh, going back to them. So, But it was so uncharacteristic of Debo, especially given how the season unfolded, how he was the one, I believe, who coined the term wide back. I mean, he was all in, right? And so for it to come out of left field the way it did and to become so dramatic and, and extreme, something had to have happened. It couldn't just be him suddenly turning into a five-year-old and throwing a fit. I mean, it could be, right? But ah, just it's, it's hard. And that's what I'm saying. Like with Parag, whether it's April or not, he can't go into the Nick Bosa negotiations and lowball him at all. I mean, he's got to start like at Joey Bosa money. I would imagine because, I mean, what's the point? What's, really, you're going to come in with a super low ball for saying, hey, let's, just, let's just play this game, Nick. We all know the game. We all know the dance. Dance with me. No, I mean, we all know what he's going to want, what he's going to command. So he's got to start at least at what Joey's making, I imagine. So who do you think makes more money in the end, Debo or Nick? Nick. And I only ask because I just looked up Joey's contract, and Joey's making 27 a year. So if Debo's asking for 30 He's already asking for like, hey, I want to be paid more than, you know, your Nick Bosa contract. And this could be board. part of the conundrum because the Niners know that they're going to have to back up the Brinks truck for Bosa. So they're just like, shoot, man, how much are we going to be able to pay Debo and everybody else? Yep. Yeah. The, I mean, do you agree edge rusher in general is more important than wide receiver? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so again, that's, that's the thing. Debo wants more than he wants more money than any edge rusher in the NFL. I, I mean, if we're talking about, Hey, I want to be paid. Like, you know, I want Tyreek. I want Devonte Adams money type of thing, you know? So I'm like, that's why I think there has to be, there, there's this give and go, this pull, like, Devontae and Tyreek just shattered the glass ceiling of, of salaries for wide receivers. So now you got, you know, your, your TJ Watt, your Joey Bosa, your Miles Garrett, sig, you know, 5 million is significant, I guess, less than the highest paid receivers. And I'm sure some of people are looking at that going, yeah, Nick Bosa should get paid more than Debo Samuel. But if Debo's asking for this, then what are we going to have to pay Nick? You know, it's just that whole step up, step up. I want to be highest paid. I want to be the highest paid. I want to be. And at some point, it's like not everyone can be the highest paid. Like sometimes you just got to go, eh, you're top five. Eh, you're, you know, in this top seven range. So, I mean, just just my thought now that I looked up the edge rusher salaries. 
And maybe this is the negotiation that you were speaking of because the Niners came in so low. We didn't actually hear what Debo wanted until after he made trade demands. Like, well, what does Debo really want? And somebody threw out there, well, he wants to be the highest paid non-quarterback. And maybe that was his, yeah, you want to go low? I'm going to go super high. So who knows? <laughs> um, it'll also be very interesting to see what, happens just with Debo I mean eventually he will get a contract whether it be with the Niners whether they trade him and he gets you know an AJ Brown type of contract but it'll be very interesting to see because on one hand you can say oh well if Debo might dig in his heels and just say forget it you know I'd rather take 27 from some other team than you know 27 from the Niners just so I can stand on my principle of you know you disrespected me, so I'm out of here. Or, you know, he could get everything can get smoothed out and they can say, dude, we can get you your 27 million here, or we can get you your 28 million with Carolina or the Jets. You really want to, you know, talk about shortening your career. You know, any number of those quarterbacks could easily, you know, put you out to dry numerous times. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not too concerned because there was, there's no reason for Debo to show up for OTAs. It'd be great if he was there at mini camp to be catching passes for Trey, but wake me up in July when things are, everyone's supposed to be starting. Everyone's supposed to be reporting and he's not there. Then I'll start getting a little concerned. Uh, anything else that you saw, heard in the news, Niner-wise, about anything? Like I said, OTAs have just started, but it's been quiet on the front of everything else. Um, you know, well, I, I think it's I think it's just interesting that you know there continues to be this perception that Trey Lance isn't going to be ready or that he's going to underwhelm. When the fact of the matter is. We won't really know anything until the preseason when we might finally get to see Lance in action after an offseason where he's finally getting properly coached and getting real reps. Unless, of course, the Niners choose to protect Trey and not play him in the preseason, in which case um, we'll, we'll find out when the games are for keeps. I, I was just going to say, I don't know if we're going to get to see a lot of him in preseason. Remember, uh, only three preseason games, you know, so already reduced number of reps overall. And how much are you going to, I mean, usually take any quarterback, you know, usually you're playing, I think you play about four quarters combined, you know, in the previous, you played, played the first quarter, then you played a half and you played maybe quarter. And sometimes you didn't even play that fourth one. So can we get four quarters out of, three preseason games from Trey. I hope so because I mean, from my own standpoint, I'd love to see what he's able to do. I mean, I'd love to be able to just see him in action, but I can see them. Yeah, you're going to run one series and then Nate Sudfeld you're taking over. You're going to we're going to run, you know, whatever, 10 plays. Um and then that that would be that's concerning only because you're going to have to learn from your mistakes in real games. You're going to have to learn what those coverages mean. You're going to have to learn the blitz pickup. You're going to have to learn all of that against Chicago and Seattle and Denver, where if you do want to win 10 games, you can't afford major slip-ups, you know, and, and give a game away like Chicago or Seattle. Those first two games are winnable games. They're, they're should win games. I would think you would say so. You have to be able to win those games and not learn on the job, causing yourself to lose one of those games. It would be it would be a, a rough step backwards for Trey. Yeah, which is why, I mean, I would love to see him be able to play one half of each of these 
preseason games, which I know it's uncommon in this day and age just because everybody's so afraid of injury. But like you said, I mean, he needs the reps. Everybody knows he needs the reps. But at the same time, are preseason reps similar to or equivalent to regular season? Because it's not like teams are really running their full defense and throwing everything, you know, comp- anything complicated at any of these quarterbacks. It's all pretty vanilla, you know. But I think what I was trying to get at was that, you know, you're saying we haven't seen him play. But you know who we have seen play? We've seen the quarterbacks, the other quarterbacks from his draft class play. Right. Like Trevor Lawrence. Right. Yet Trevor Lawrence, who led the league last year with 17 interceptions. And then you had Zach Wilson, who was benched in favor of a journeyman like Mike White. Mike White, Yeah. You know, so that's why I just, you know, I, I can understand being a little bit, I guess, you know, leery of just the unknown, but the skepticism about Lance just doesn't seem to make sense because people don't seem to be skeptical about these other quarterbacks who have already shown that they've stayed, they struggled mightily in some cases, right? Not so much with Mac Jones, who certainly made the most of his opportunity and had a good season overall. Yet mm-hmm. at the same time, I can't overlook the fact that in his last five games, he threw five interceptions, which resulted in the Patriots losing three of them. Mm-hmm. And let's remember that game, uh, against Buffalo, where the Patriots won, despite the fact that they only needed Mac Joseph attempt three passes yep. all game. Yep. Granted, it was windy, so extenuating circumstance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my point is that I think every one of these quarterbacks have exhibited issues, mm-hmm. you know, question marks in mm-hmm. some sh- way, shape, or form. Yet yep. nobody seems to be questioning their lack of development. So, look, I get the questions about Trey, but you know, because we haven't seen them, but I don't understand, I guess, the negativity. Well, is, let me put it this. Is it lack of development or is it just lower expectations? No one, no one really cared if Lawrence threw 17 interceptions. You know, like, they're just like, ah, he's our quarterback of the future. Like, we're if we win a handful of games this year, great. You know, same with Zach Wilson. I know the inside all those buildings, they want to win. They think they're going to win. but those guys weren't going to take the giant steps. They weren't going from three wins to 10 wins or something. Whereas Trey is taking over a team who is, you know, coming off a 10 win season an NFC championship appearance. So it's kind of like the year that uh, the Ravens went from Trent Dilfer to Elvis Gerback. They were thinking like, Oh, we're, we're a good team and we're going to, we're going to put in a better player into the quarterback position because, well, that's just going to make us even, even better. And it, and it didn't work. So in this situation, you're looking at the Niners and going, well, we're going to put Trey into this situation. We expect, I expect him to at least maintain what this team is doing. Whereas those other, those other quarterbacks, like if, if they all say they all win six to eight games, that's a, that's a huge improvement for all of them. Whereas six to eight games would be, in my mind, a step back. Yeah, I think I'm glad you said that because I feel like for you, a lot of it hinges upon the wins and losses and how the team does overall, which is understandable. But I think the criticism or the negativity is coming just at Trey specifically, like, oh, he's not ready or he's underwhelmed, right? Like we've, we are hearing those reports from that one guy, Matt Lombardo, Mike Lombardo, whatever his name is. And I guess the rumor is that Rich Scangarello, the former quarterback coach of the Niners, was the one who Lombardo spoke to about Lance and mm-hmm. essentially threw shade on the kid. Yep. And whether or not that's true, it's definitely clear that Scangarello <laughs> is not a Trey Lance guy. Not at all. Based on, based on an interview he did with – Greg Cosell on a podcast uh, from this year's draft. I'm not sure if you heard it, mm-hmm. yep. but you know, just the way in which he described what he would be looking for in a college quarterback and the traits that he valued, it was like he was purposefully t- taking a crap on Trey Lance without mentioning him by name. Because yep. Scandrello said, quote, do you want a guy who throws it hard for 70 yards or a guy that runs really fast? 
Or do you want a guy who throws with anticipation, on time, allows yards after catch, processes, and a natural leader? I mean, seriously, dude? I mean, the best ones can actually be all those things in case he wasn't aware. And then he equated success in the NFL to being able to sit in the pocket and take a beating. So it's no wonder he hates Trey and prefers guys like Jimmy or even CJ Beathard for that matter, you know, which sucks because I'm sure it impacted how he went about treating Lance. Because I noticed that whenever the camera cut to the sidelines, you could see Scandarello. He usually ignored Lance. And I made it a point to watch for this because I wanted to see them get Lance up to speed. So I wanted to see if they could, you know, they were communicating with him and teaching him whenever possible. But clearly that didn't happen because Scandarello just wasn't a Lance guy and didn't believe in him. And essentially, I don't know, I feel like he essentially wasted his rookie season. But you know how I know Scandarello is totally full of crap? Because he pointed out how much he loved Josh Allen coming out for the draft. The same Josh Allen who had a 56% completion percentage in college. So don't tell me he projected greatness after seeing that on tape. As far as I'm concerned, he's just like everyone else who's coming out of the woodwork. Now that Allen's a superstar and saying how they loved him way back when, which is a total bunch of bull honky because even when Allen began in the NFL, he struggled. Rookie year, 53% completion percentage, 12 interceptions. Second year, he got better, 20 touchdowns to nine interceptions, but still completed just 59% of his passes. And guess what? Josh Allen is that guy who can throw it 70 yards and run around to make plays, Scandarello. So the bottom line is, if Rich Scandarello is the one throwing shade because he's bitter that the Niners drafted Lance instead of sticking with Jimmy or drafting Mac Mac Jones, then boo-hoo for him. He can take his crappy attitude with him just in Kentucky. A lot to unpack. I was with you for some of it. Completely disagreed with some of it. Because um, I do believe, it, I believe that kind of, the impetus of these reports are coming from Scandrello. That I, I heard the interview. I, I believe exactly what you were talking about at the beginning. That Scandrello is not a Trey Lance. Like that's not his type of quarterback. So that which is fine because as a position coach, you don't get to make the draft pick especially with, you know, Kyle and, and John. So you can have your input and you can be negative or you can point out the faults and, and all those types of things. But in the end, they ended up taking Lance. So was that the beginning of the end for, for him in terms of coaching for the 49ers? Like, look, this is not a guy I want to coach. I can coach because I would much rather have Mac Jones or, you know, pick your stand in the, in the pocket quarterback. I, I don't know, perhaps, which is why, I mean, remember, this is his second stint on Kyle's team. So, you know, he was, he was with them. He left for what deep uh, Denver for Denver and then went to Philly for a year and then came back and all this kind of stuff. I will disagree with you because I think you're searching for things that, he he ignored Lance on the sidelines. Great. He's the backup quarterback. Like, this is not a teaching moment. This is not the classroom. I am not here to make sure you understand what I'm talking about with the starter and what the plays were or what he missed or what you got right or what did you see on that, that play or, you know, what happened? What did you see compared to what happened? Like, that's just – that's not his – that's not anyone's position for anyone. This is – this is not Little League where, okay, let's all take time out. Did everyone see what happened there? See how we can do this? No. You're the backup. You, see, I mean, you just be the little puppy dog. You follow those guys around just so you can hear the discussion and, and peek your nose in it. Oh, what are they talking about? You know, those types of things. So, um, Yeah, but after he's, Scandarello, he's the quarterback coach. Why, I mean, he, why is he not the one who should have been a little bit more hand-holding, whereas – Kyle and Jimmy, they should be the one 
corresponding because who's the and and Mike McDaniel because those are the guys in the trenches on game day. I would imagine that a Scandarello is more kind of well, he's the backup offensive coordinator, right? So as that guy, he would have the bandwidth and the ability to <laughs> provide a little bit more, you know, to, to lend a hand in young Trey Lance's development. And I will say, are you telling me that Trey Lance, again, you've always had this perception, which I disagree with, but it's like, oh, Trey Lance, you're the backup. As if he's the same as a Brian Hoyer or as if he's the same as Nate Sudfeld. On game day, on game day, he is so much in this guy. On game, typical backup. On game day, you are. That's why I'm saying, like during the week, if you want to say, hey, they should have spent more time, or or, Trey should, you know, hey, let's have a special Trey only video session, so you know, so we can kind of go over more basics or or things that would like. Again, I disagree, but if you want to say that should have happened, uh, I can give you a little bit of that. Okay, fine. These guys are professionals. Give them an extra hour. Do all this type, type of thing. Although, again, when I see their schedule, what they do from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., I mean, they're not just walking around going, hey, can you come in here real quick? Let's let's dissect these, these five plays. Like, it's just – it's a constant go here, go there, go here, go there. As for game day, <laughs> Kyle's, Kyle's on the field. McDaniel's up in the, in the press box. Scandrell's – there is no bandwidth to worry about your backup. It's who are the 11 starters? Like, we are in this to win this game. I, there is no bandwidth, and I know, like, oh, well – you invested so much. Yes, but you invested and you take care of that not on game day. You can't do it on game day. It's impossible. I mean, there's 25 seconds between plays. Like, you're just going, going, going. So, again, you make it sound like Scandarello is the offensive coordinator. <laughs> that he's on some sort of time schedule. He's not. You're right. But how many, how many minutes does he have to – well, how about this? What's he doing on the sideline when Jimmy's on the field? You want him to sit with Trey Lance and go over stuff? How about they can just stand at each other and anytime there's something on the field that he feels needs to be said to Trey Lance, he can lean over and whisper to him, hey, do you see that? Right? Not once did I – granted, they didn't show the sideline the entire game. I'm just saying I, I particularly w- – try to notice stuff like that. And it's funny because I didn't, I saw it, didn't think anything of it. I'm just like, oh, maybe they're just busy. But then after hearing that interview, I'm like, oh, clearly this guy, Scandrillo, has an ax to grind. And he was not a Trey Lance fan. He was not interested in helping him. And that's where I have a problem with that. And that's, I'm not surprised he's gone. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you would go too for, you know, a sig- that significant of a raise and, and be able to call plays in SEC. I mean, that's it's not like he went and became offensive coordinator at Deanza College. You know, he went from making he went from making what three four hundred thousand dollars as a quarterback coach to making nine hundred thousand and calling plays for a team in the SEC, a team who, while not the glamour Alabama team, they've come in second in their their division of the SEC the last two two years. So again, that's. <coughs> Whether he was fired or Kyle said, hey, if you get a job opportunity, I would jump at it if I were you, which, again, could have been. But, again, we're, we're making it out to, like, ah, this guy, this guy didn't like Trey, so he had to go to college. He had to go to, you know, Southern Tech. It's like, no, like, he, he got offered this or was given this or recommended for this. Fine. But and, – and, and time will tell. Again, I agree with you. I don't think he was a Trey Lance, Trey Lance fan, but that's that's not un, that that's not. I don't think that's an uncommon opinion in for a lot of people. Like, there's so many unknowns, and while you poo-poo the fact of standing in the court, standing in the pocket type of quarterback, they're still the most successful. They're still the most successful with the absolute 
elite guys having the whole package, being the Josh Allen, the Mahomes, to be able to buy time, to use their legs type of thing, right? Oh, and that's what I said. I said, you can be it all, right? Like he was making it sound like when athleticism, I don't need it. I just want a guy standing in the pocket. And I'm saying, no, the best ones have it all. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it's, it's just a matter of opinion of, of how you like. I mean, there are people who love Kyler Murray. Would not want Kyler Murray on my team. And this was before he, you know, went crazy with all his, you know, shenanigans. Like, I haven't liked Kyler Murray since he got, you know, was drafted type of thing. So, like, I am not, I mean, I was, I'm just not that, that guy. And, and that you brought it up. I love Josh Allen coming out of the draft. I had Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. Now you can say, whoa, way off. Like, cause I blew the Sam Darnold. The fact that I thought Sam Darnold should have been the number one pick certainly doesn't look like he's worthy of, of that anymore. But I did not like Baker. I did not like Josh Rosen. You know, it was like, and those, those guys were right in there. And, and part of it is like, I saw Josh Allen at Wyoming and I just, I liked what I saw from the physical and it, cause his stats weren't good, you know, like, but I also look kind of at the, how Trey Lance, you look at Trey Lance's, who's he throwing to? Like, was there another Wyoming player drafted in the past three years? You know, since Josh Allen came out, I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but Wyoming's not a pipeline of NFL skill position. So that's my only thought on the Josh Allen thing, which is why I can completely understand where a guy can look at Josh Allen and go, that's the kind of guy that I want. Trey Lance, not the guy that I want. I'm just saying that if not for Josh Allen having the success that he's having, Scandrello and guys like him would not be mentioning Josh Allen's name. Let's just put it that way. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, no one, no one is banging. Like I said, no one's banging the drum for everyone who is saying Sam Darnold's the next prototypical NFL player. No one was no Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Should have gotten, of course, because those guys have failed and no one's w- willing to say, totally blew that one and wouldn't you say that the mayfields and that uh darnolds are more akin to the scandrillo prototype of in the pocket they're certainly not the scrambling whirling dervish lamar jackson kyler murray you know Uh, i think i think baker thinks he is yeah i would agree sam Sam is a your drop back old school quarterback, like he's going to, he's going to drop back. He's going to read through his progressions and he's not going to scramble like that. How convenient that Scandrello didn't mention Darnold. Cause I'm, I'll bet you that he liked Darnold coming out I'm, just like everybody else did. Right. Just like it, Right. Just like everyone else. But did. he so, didn't mention it again. That's why I don't like guys like that. Wait, well guys like what? Like Scandrello tooting his own horn as if I like Josh Allen coming out. Okay, well, why don't you talk? Tell us about the guys that are pocket passers who you thought were going to be great and stunk it up. Do that. You're asking a lot. Hey, asking for accountability. Oh my goodness! What else you got? <laughs> uh, that's about it. I mean, I don't know if you want to go back to the schedule. Are there any games that? were of note that you thought would be, you know, of, of interest outside of the, of Niner nation. Um, non-Niner games. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the, the NFL does a, a nice job really trying to highlight, you know, the start of the season when in fact they don't need to, everyone is so jacked up. You could put, you know, Jaguars Panthers as the opening game and people are, you're still going to draw whatever, 15 million people to the game. Uh, but to put Rams and your Josh Allen Bills on the opening Thursday night, I, you know, you're not going to get – I mean, that, that is definitely going to be a trendy Super Bowl pick right there is Bills-Rams. So to put that in game one, you're, you're talking about fireworks right off the bat. So 
I think I think that's interesting. I think the the idea of the AFC West is just going to be interesting to watch because is are they just all going to cannibalize each other and all go three and three, um, or is there actually going to be one of those teams that takes advantage? Because look, as much as you and Matt Mayoko think the Niners have no chance to beat any of those four AFC West teams. I can't imagine all the AFC West fans are looking at it and go, oh, Niners win. I mean, I just don't understand. I can't see why that's even a possibility unless people are thinking, oh, yeah, the, they essentially have a rookie quarterback. So this is going to be this is going to be their yeah, if Rich Sandrello was a fan of the AFC West, I'm sure he would. Oh my gosh. Is this is this gonna be your new dead horse? Is this what it's gonna be like? <laughs> if I no, if I'm not, but I will wait, say if I'm not mistaken, one. wasn't it you who was banging the drum to bring Rick Scandrello back to Kyle's offense? Yeah, because Jimmy uh Jimmy Garoppolo was struggling. And that was his whisper. It's not that I'm a Scandrello fan. Mm. I'm just a well. Jimmy didn't seem to do so well when he left. So maybe you got to bring that guy back. I really don't see how that's possible, but okay. How many, Jimmy didn't even play when Scandrello was gone. No, no, no. He played when Scandrello was here. Do you remember how well he played just in those five games? The best, probably the best five game stretch he had as a 49er when even know the whole playbook that somehow the Garoppolo whisperer was able to get him up to speed and help him lead the Niners to a five and zero finish to that season. Yes, he did. You don't have to look it up. I'm, no, just I'm, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm just but like... anyway, regarding the regarding the schedule. Yes. Yeah, so week one, I think. The Broncos at Seattle. I think that the first Monday night football game, even though Seattle is, like I said, back to the Charlie Whitehurst days of the Seahawks. But still, I think having Russell Wilson back in Seattle for the first game of the season, his first game as a Bronco, I think that's pretty interesting. And I think week three, Packers at Buccaneers could be the last, last hurrah of those two guys facing off unless they see each other in the playoffs. Rodgers versus Brady before Brady, you know, rides off in the sunset, either as a owner of the Dolphins or <laughs> as the, whatever, the face of Fox Sports. That is going to be, that, that, that will be interesting for sure. Um, see, this is, this, this is what amuses me about you. You're very excited, seemingly, about Denver, Seattle. And it doesn't move doesn't move my needle at all. I mean, it's like again, because it just goes back to don't care, don't get like I will watch to be entertained and be. I will hope Denver wins because Denver winning would allow the be better for the Niners, like type of thing, but. The storyline doesn't doesn't move you, huh? No, no storylines don't move me. No, does not matter. Again, you just said earlier in this podcast how you know wins are the only thing that matter because that's why you don't. Well, yeah, as a Niner fan for the <laughs> Niner games, we're not talking Niner games. We're talking, you know, if I if I seem and in, feel inclined to watch somebody else. Again, but see, you are not inclined to watch, I don't know, uh, Giants-Lions. That, that's No. Why would I want to watch that game? Again, you, because I understand, because you need, I don't know, investment, rooting interest, storyline. Like, you need something in a game that doesn't yeah. involve the night. Give me some pizzazz. Give me, give me something. How you doing? I'm Todd. I don't care. Like, I will watch because it's NFL football. Like, I don't need pizzazz. In fact, I would rather not have pizzazz. In fact, part of my final thought today was going to be, 
I think more kids need to get the crap beat out of them nowadays because I'm so sick and tired of them, you know, popping off at every available, you know, instant. You know what? Maybe someone needs their ass kicked when they're 13, you know, to get a little humble pie. So when they're 23, they're not walking away from the negotiating table because someone's offering them $15 million. So maybe someone just needs a good butt kicking. I don't care. I want to watch the, the game. I, I, I don't even, I don't uh, need- I just want to say right now that those views and opinions are solely of Todd Kleinheinz and not of Jerry Sue. <laughs> I, I, I take it all, bring it on, bring it on. Um, be, because that's the thing is like, I don't need, I, again, we've talked about, we've talked about it before how I don't need any entertainment value in my sports because I don't watch sports to see about the storylines or, you know, I'm not watching a movie. Does, does this guy get in? Does, does, does Russell Wilson avenge being, you know, whatever, like dismissed by Pete Carroll. Does he come in and throw four touchdowns? Does, you know, does, does Drew Locke take over the reins and, you know, does Drew Locke cook? you know, for four touchdowns, like, I don't care. Just give me competition. That's what I want. I want competition. All right. As for um, <laughs> other things in the, the schedule world, um, I forgot to mention, as if, Niners Raiders wasn't going to be crazy enough considering the fan bases, the Niners first trip to Vegas. <clears throat> they're putting it on New Year's Day. So they're, they're basically having everyone come to Vegas for New Year's and let's see what happens the next day. <laughs> so I know a lot of Niner fans are that they're planning on making that road trip. I think I'm going to sit that one out. (laughs) I didn't even notice that it was, that was the date that it was on new year's day. Oh my. Um, I think uh, the schedule scheduling of having games on Christmas day is interesting from the standpoint of the NBA is always kind that's always been kind of the NBA big day where they're, you know, they'd have what a quadruple header and how many years was it? Warriors Cavs and, you know, Lakers, you know, whomever type of thing. Um, and then the NFL goes and schedules, uh, schedules three, not that they schedule because Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. So it's kind of their day anywhere. Most of the games are getting played Christmas Eve, including Niners against the commanders, but they are going to have three Christmas day games. So NFL's going to take over Thanksgiving. NFL is going to take over Christmas. NFL is going to take over New Year's Day, you know, so all those college games that usually get played. Again, the NFL just continues to expand and expand and devour anything in their way when it comes to shoot. They just made a two-hour special in the middle of May about the schedule being released. So the the devouring of content is not going to stop anytime soon. Well, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there were guys named Kobe Bryant Chris Paul and Isaiah Thomas in this year's NFL draft. So clearly there's some sort of uh, intermingling between the whole NBA NFL thing going on. And this is just, I guess, another way of the NFL trying to take over the NBA. We're going to take your players and we're going to take your Christmas day. Well, let me ask you this. Are you more inclined to watch? I don't know. Shoot. We'll just. Warriors Grizzlies, since that seems to have a little bit of flair in these playoffs, are you more likely to watch Warriors Grizzlies on Christmas Day uh, than an NFL game? Now, NFL game as in the Niners are playing or any NFL? No, it's Green Bay against Miami, Denver against the Rams, or Tampa Bay against Arizona. Oh, yeah, I'd watch Warriors every – yeah, absolutely Warriors. They're they're my team. Why would I watch – a team that I don't care about versus a team I care about. I'm saying I, I'm, I wouldn't, but that's me. Well, because you don't care about the Warriors. That's you care true. about football more than the Warriors. 
Yes, but that doesn't mean I don't care about the Warriors. Oh, but you care about the football more, apparently. Yes, absolutely. But I care about the Warriors. I get that. That was my point. But the question was, what what do you prioritize when it comes to? Because it's easy when, oh, again, football's on Sundays and this day's on. You know, we're gonna watch. But when things start colliding, you know, what takes your what takes your your views? I mean, considering the draft. Roll call of names got higher ratings than you know last year's NBA Finals or the last World Series. Like people can't get enough NFL content, no matter what it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that's that was another interesting thing just about the the schedule. But anyways, what else you got? Because. Uh, Niners are going to, like I said, Niners are in OTAs, but Kyle is dismissing the team a day early. So they're taking off, uh, getting out of there Saturday, opposed to uh, staying Saturday and Sunday uh, until the uh, next OTAs, which I think are a few weeks later. So not going to be a lot coming out football-wise. We're going to be on Newswatch. So what else you got? Not much, man. Just, I think that's about it. I think we can move on to final thoughts if you're ready. So give me, go ahead. You give me your final thought. Well, you're talking about how the American public has this insatiable appetite for NFL, NFL content. And we just saw the schedules being released. And I guess what, has become a tradition, which I'm not sure how far it goes back. I just started noticing it last year, in fact, where teams would release these creative, well, maybe not everybody doing creative, but a video, a video highlighting the new schedule. They'll put it up on their social media. They'll put it on their website. And I'm sorry, Niners, you guys need to up your game because I don't know what it is. I feel like I've all, I've, you know, speaking of being underwhelmed, I don't, I'm not underwhelmed by Trey Lance, but I am definitely underwhelmed by your schedule release videos. I mean, this particular year, I don't know what the deal is. Like, it just seems so ominous. I certainly hope that's like not a sign of things to come for the season. My gosh. But there were some good ones by other teams, you know, I think the eighties, nineties retro theme video that you'd sent me, uh, Todd from the Carolina Panthers. I thought, very creative. Um, not sure if there was a reason for their 80s retro thing, or they just thought that'd be fun. Um, of course, you know, Peyton Manning had to reprise his role as the Broncos intern, but not, you know, but he ended up passing it off. Like it was, he was the intern, but he was passing off the baton to of all players, of course, Russell Wilson, um, which was pretty funny. And then the Colts, actually had two videos, one which was of Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, making ice sculptures of their weekly opponents. And then the other video was of their mascot going through each week's game. And then there would be a person wearing a sweatshirt of the week's opponent. And then the mascot would pie them in the face. And it would be kind of funny because obviously they play the Jaguars twice, the Titans. So then they just, you know, as they go through it, you could tell that that person already got pied once and poof, pied again. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I think the best one, in my opinion, hands down, was the Los Angeles Chargers, which they made a video, an anime video of their whole, uh, it's like a whole movie, I would say, of their schedule. And I thought that was super creative. So, I mean, I mean, I didn't see all of them, but as of right now, of the ones I've seen, they get the award. Yeah, I, I agree because I watched a few of them and they're, just, they're two to three minutes of really entertaining, really creative things. And it's the type of thing that you don't need because you know who you're playing for, you know, shoot, whatever, six months, you know, and you have a creative, if you have a creative team, you can put this together. So congratulations to the Panthers, the Broncos, the Colts. And yeah, it, it would be. It would be nice. I mean, just from a fan standpoint, if the Niners put together something, I mean, 
got to be a conference room around there with a whiteboard that some people can sit around and brainstorm some ideas in the off season for, for what's coming up. So I'm with you. In fact, maybe you need to uh, apply for yet named job to become the <laughs> social media creative director or whatever it might be. There you go. Um, I mentioned it earlier and it was just, again, it's going to be a get off my lawn type of final thought. And it was simply watching some of these youth sports play and the amount of arrogance, cockiness that is imparted on these, some of these kids by their parents. It's no wonder so many of them come out and, you know, can't handle, can't handle the truth, as Colonel Jefferson would say, you know, they can't even handle life because they are so pampered. They are so giving everything on a, on a silver platter. And it is so bothersome, so bothersome to me. I saw, I saw kids uh, at a youth volleyball game screaming at the other team after every point only to look up at the scoreboard and say, you're down by like 20 points. Like, should you really, you know, hey, it's okay to just high five your, the guy next to you and go to the next serve. We don't need all the demonstrative actions, which I think speaks well to what I was talking about earlier. Don't need the storyline. Give me the competition. Give me the scoreboard. Give me who wins and loses. Move along. That's all I need. It's my... Get off my lawn, old man, final thought of the day. (laughs) With that said, there's not going to be a lot of content in the near future unless something comes out of the blue. So we'll have to uh, continue to break down the schedule, continue to keep track of the Niners' rookie signings, to, to date. I don't think they've signed anyone, but I have seen a lot of rookies signing their contract. Should only be a matter of time since they're all pre-slotted. Um, but with that said, I really, I'm really excited about the season. I'm excited about how the schedule laid out for the Niners because it does seemingly logistically give them a really good chance to start the season strong with, you know, some Trey Lance is the quarterback, start the year strong and finish the year strong. Granted, you're going to have some tough spots in the middle. You got Tampa and Seattle on a short week. You got two East Coast back-to-back. So there's going to be some ups and downs, which is to be expected. But I don't think anyone can complain too much about the Niners schedule. So I think it sets up well for the organization. Now we just need the players to step up and do their part. So. Hopefully they're all in uniform. Number 19 is playing wide out or wide back, whatever he wants as he, you know, pockets his money. Hopefully the offensive line gets situated and we have some resolution to at least the Alex Mack. Is he or isn't he? Um, But yeah, we're going to continue because the NFL, the NFL content doesn't ever stop. So with that said, I hope everyone enjoyed schedule release day. I'm sure at some point between now and the beginning of the season, we're going to go point by point, game by game, win, loss, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, and see what we we have uh, in mind as we start hearing more about the team. So with that said, for Jerry, I'm Todd. Thanks for listening to Three Side Sports. We will see you next week.